Hello, romance book lovers. Welcome to Tales from the Heart. I am Jenna Hart, and each week I post new episodes from my stories of crime and passion. Right now we're listening to Old Flames Never Die, book two of the Valentine Mysteries. This week is episode five, chapters nine and ten, where Liv seems to have not gotten the message that Jack is taken. Now, if you'd like to read along or get ahead in the story, you can get Old Flames Never Die from your favorite ebook retailer or save by buying direct from me. You can visit jennahart.com forward slash valentine for more information. Now, Old Flames Never Die is the second book in the series, and if you missed book one, Deadly Valentine, you can listen by checking earlier episode postings, or if you'd like to read it, you can get the book for free at my website, jennahart.com. Tales from the Heart is posted to podcast platforms and YouTube each week. These episodes are edited to censor out more intimate content. If you'd like to have a version that includes the spicy bits, plus early access to the episodes, behind-the-scenes information about the stories, bonus content, and more, join me on Ream. Learn more at reamstories.com forward slash Jenna Hart. Now, never miss the mystery or romance by hitting the subscribe button. And remember that all the details and links that you might need are just a click away in the description. Now, snuggle up, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Chapter 9 When he'd first taken on the task of managing Worthington Media Corporation, the project had been fun. Jack had enjoyed having the Worthingtons fall over themselves to make sure the deal went right. Even Lauren's crazy outbursts had been amusing. But this week, he'd yet to walk into his office without already feeling annoyed. Having Lauren pull another one of her stunts only made things worse. He was done playing with the Worthingtons. How dare you call security on me? Lauren spat as two security guards stood over her sitting in one of the guest chairs in his office. You're trespassing. I have every right to be here. Jack tried to look aloof and disinterested even as he wanted to strangle her. You have no right to be here. You seem to forget who you're talking to. He cocked his head to the side. I'm talking to a woman who has no legal ties to Worthington Media or its money. My son. Your son isn't here. I'm looking out for his interests. You're very close to losing him and his interests. I suggest you leave now. Arthur will not stand for this. Jack had been precariously close to abandoning the deal for some time, but in that moment his limit was hit. He didn't need the hassle or the company. Fine. I'm happy to take my money and my management team and leave. I'm only here to continue Ace's wishes and to honor my mother, but I don't need Worthington Media and I certainly don't need you and your crazy antics, so good luck. He turned toward the door. Oh, you can go, he said to the security guards. Philip and Arthur can decide if she's trespassing. Wait! Lauren tried to stand, but a security guard blocked her. Get out of the way, you big oaf! Jack stopped at the door and turned to see Lauren try to pry the beefy hand of the security guard off her arm. You can let her go. She ran to Jack. You can't just leave. Watch me. No, Philip and Arthur can't run this company. Maybe you should have thought about that before you pissed me off one last time. I just want to be sure Philip is getting his fair share. Philip is getting far more than his fair share, and you know it. Now, thanks to you, he'll get what he deserves. For a minute, Jack thought Lauren was going to drop to her knees and beg. He'd have liked to see that. Instead, she took a deep breath. 
If I promise to be good, will you reconsider? Haven't we had this discussion before, Lauren? Nearly every day, as I recall. Please. She dragged out the word. It was the closest he was going to get to begging. You get out and stay out of the way. Yes. Her head bobbed up and down. Fine, go. He headed back into the office. Make sure she leaves and don't let her back in without an appointment, he said to the security guards. Fortunately, the rest of the morning went smoothly. If things continued as they were, Jack would be able to hand over Worthington Media Corp. to a new team within six months. Until then, he had a lot to do. He was finishing checking numbers for several of the newspapers when a commotion outside his door interrupted him. What's going on? He opened his office door. His secretary, Mrs. Stauffer, was physically keeping Liv away from him. I'm sorry, Mr. Valentine. This woman doesn't have an appointment, and your noon appointment will be here shortly. Noon appointment? Yes, for lunch. Jack, tell this woman who I am. Liv freed her arm from Mrs. Stauffer. Surely I don't need an appointment. Everyone needs an appointment, Mrs. Stauffer said. She's right. Jack checked his watch. But I have a few minutes before my appointment. Come on in, Liv. He noticed Liv's look of triumph towards his secretary. He hated that people thought they were better than the people hired to serve them. His secretary was invaluable, and he didn't want her feeling like her efforts were unappreciated. Thank you, Mrs. Stauffer. Please let me know the minute my appointment arrives. She nodded, not hiding her annoyance at Liv. Yes, sir. Jack, thank you for seeing me. I know you must be extremely busy. I am. What can I do for you? He sat on the edge of his desk, not offering her a seat. This whole thing with Charles and the police, it's been so awful. And now I'm stuck in a stuffy hotel room. I just had to get out and talk to someone. Someone I can trust. You can trust me. I know. That's why I'm here. I just... The tears he'd seen welling in her eyes started to fall. I can't believe they think I killed him. How can they think that? I don't know. Jack wanted to help his old friend, but was annoyed at how she kept popping in at the most inopportune times. Did you call me a couple of months ago? Yes. Did the police grill you about that too? He nodded. Why didn't you leave a message? I didn't know what to say. She said with a shrug. Truthfully, I was glad you didn't pick up. I was going through one of those times with Charles, and I was in Washington, so I thought I'd call. You and Charles were having problems again? You know how it was. We couldn't seem to live together, but we couldn't live without each other. I got a call right after I tried to call you that changed everything. We worked it out again. What kind of call? Jack asked. She sighed. I found out I was pregnant. Pregnant? Jack looked down to her belly. He supposed he should congratulate her, except he couldn't decide if having a baby was something she wanted. I was thrilled. Charles and I had been trying for so long, but then, within weeks, I lost it. I'm sorry. We were going to have a baby, and now everyone thinks I killed him. The few friends I had are avoiding me. Even your new friend thinks I did it. She looked at him with big, round eyes. You don't think I did it, Jack, do you? No. You don't know how much that means to me. She threw her arms around him. I've been so alone. It's okay. He patting her back. It will all work out. Do you think so? Her voice was muffled against his chest. Yes. She lifted her head, smiled. 
Then her lips touched his, and her tongue sought entrance to his mouth. Tess stood in the doorway, watching what looked like Jack and Liv kissing. But surely she was mistaken. Nope. They were kissing. Her first instinct was to walk away, but she'd read enough romance books to know that situations like this were not always as they seemed. Her second instinct was to yank Liv's gorgeous blonde hair from her head. Instead, she waited to see what would happen. Whoa, wait a minute. Jack jerked back and pushed Liv away. What? He frowned. Liv, I'm your friend, but that's it. I'm in love with Tess. Deeply, forever in love. Tess felt both love and terror at Jack's words of forever. She wondered if she'd ever get used to them. I... I'm sorry. I guess old habits die hard. Liv stepped back. Tess's gaze met Jack's, which widened in surprise and then furrowed in. Good. Tess. Hi, Jack. Liv. Tess hoped her voice came off cool and aloof. Oh, I, uh, Tess, I'm sorry. Liv stammered, although Tess didn't think Liv was as sorry as her words suggested. Are you the noon appointment? Jack moved to her, taking her arms in his hands and kissing her on the cheek. Yes. Looks like I got here just in time. I guess I better go. I think you should. Jack released Tess to show Liv to the door. I'll see you around. He simply nodded. Tess watched Jack, curious as to what he'd say or do. He studied her. She decided he was waiting for her reaction. Looks like Liv was having a bad day. Tess finally said. He nodded. My day hasn't been so great either. Tess moved to him. If I seek comfort in your arms, will you push me away too? She saw the flicker of relief and amusement in his eyes. I don't know. You'll have to try it and find out. Hmm. I'm not big on taking risks. Tess stood a breath away from him, wanting to torment him. Odds are in your favor. She considered, then smiled up at him as she looped her arms around his neck. Her hands slid behind his head and pulled him to her. Come here then. He dipped his head and she took advantage by capturing his lips with hers. He groaned and her worries and tension slipped away. You taste better. He nipped at her lips. Good to hear. She kissed him again until she needed to breathe. She started to pull away, but Jack wrapped his arms around her, picked her up, swung her around until she was sitting on his desk. Mr. Valentine? She gasped. What will the steno pool think? Damn the steno pool. His lips trailed down her jaw to find the ripe spot just below her ear. Is this left over from this morning? What you did this morning was cruel. It was unintentional. That's what makes it so cruel. You don't know what you do to me. I think I'm getting a clue. She pressed a hand against his chest to push him back enough that he could look at her. You should know two things. First, I'm sorry for making you angry and agitated. And two? And two, your door is open. Any of your staff can see us. So? He grinned, dimple and all. Ahem. Did you hear something? Jack slid his hands up Tess's back. I think there's someone at your door. Who? Tess tilted her head and looked over his shoulder. It's Mrs. Stauffer. What does she want? I don't know. Maybe you should ask. Then I'd have to stop what I'm doing and I don't want to stop. I told you, you should have shut your door. Yes, you did. 
Jack lifted his head, keeping his eyes on Tess. Do you need something, Mrs. Stauffer? He leaned in and kissed Tess again. No. Mrs. Stauffer's gruff voice answered. Jack grinned. She's mad at me. He turned. You failed to let me know my noon appointment was here. So I did. Mrs. Stauffer's tone suggested that she'd acted on purpose. Jack turned back to Tess. I think she wanted you to catch me in a compromising position. Is that what that was? Tess smirked. You told me to keep people who don't have an appointment from bothering you. Mrs. Stauffer noted. Yes, I did, and I broke my own rule. I'm sorry for that. I do appreciate all that you do around here. And if you can keep Lauren Worthington away from me, there'll be a bonus for you. Does that include Philip Worthington, too? Jack's eyes narrowed. Is he on his way up? Yes, sir. Then yes, it does. Then we're even. Mrs. Stauffer left, closing the door behind her. Jack turned his attention back to Tess. I trust Mrs. Stauffer, but I could use some time away from this place. What plans did you have for lunch? How about the Commonwealth Tavern and a stop for ice cream? Perfect. He grabbed his coat and led Tess through a different door down a back hallway. As they took the stairs down, he called Mrs. Stauffer on his cell phone to let her know he was leaving the building. Do I still get my bonus? Jack heard Philip ranting in the background. Yes. Tess sat across from Jack at the restaurant, wanting a drink to burn the image of Liv in a lip lock with Jack out her mind. She knew he wasn't a participant in the kiss, but it still irked. Jack let out a long sigh. God, and the day is only half over. Did you get things with Lauren resolved? Maybe talking about something else would help get her mind off Liv. For now, it's only a matter of time before she acts out again. More and more I'm thinking of dumping the project. Not by Worthington Media? He shook his head. It's not worth the hassle, and who am I really doing it for? I didn't like Asa. Delia is dead. Cora would rather I have nothing to do with them, and I don't feel any particular obligation to the senator, although I suppose I should. Tess understood his reasoning. There was no reason to honor Asa's wishes. Delia, Jack's newly discovered birth mother, had died over the secret Asa had kept. And Cora, Jack's grandmother, hated the Worthingtons. The senator, thrilled at the idea of discovering the child he had with Delia was alive was pushing Jack into a relationship he wasn't ready to have. Tess still didn't quite understand why Jack felt an obligation to help them. Why should you feel obligated? Because the senator is probably my father. Because he wants to be my father so damn bad. You can work out a relationship with him without buying his family's company. I think the problem is you feel guilty. You don't want a relationship with him, but you feel bad about that. Helping save Worthington Media is something you can do for him because you can't or don't want to give him more. Maybe you should become a shrink. It doesn't take a shrink to see how difficult this is for you. You don't owe him anything, Jack. Sure, it would be a nice, happy ending to a tragic story. But you're a grown man with a loving family. Smart and beautiful. No wonder I love you. I thought it was the chocolate. And the lingerie. He winked. Well, at least I've got something going for me. Jack frowned. What's that supposed to mean? Tess bit her lip, knowing Jack didn't want to hear what she had to say. But she needed to say it because it was going to rattle around in her head until she did. 
How long will it take before Liv gets the message that you're not interested in her? Jack shot her an annoyed look. I knew it. I knew you wouldn't be able to let me off that easy. Tess was proud of the way she kept her cool. You don't think I have a right to be bothered by her kissing you? Twice? You know how I feel about you. If you trust me, then you can let it go. Okay. How many times will I have to let it go? Because she doesn't seem to be getting the message. One kiss. Okay. I can see that because you're pretty kissable. Thank you. But twice? Even Daniel knew after one kiss that there was no hope. Wait, what? Tess straightened her utensils on the table. I told him where he stood, and he may not have liked it. Daniel kissed you? But he respected it and hasn't tried again. Liv is either dumb or doesn't care. Tess shook her head at Liv's gall. When did Daniel kiss you? What? Tess looked up from her place setting as she realized Jack wasn't keeping up with what she was telling him. Daniel, when did he kiss you? Was it the other day when you two were conspiring? She sat back, feeling smug. What does it matter? If you trust me, you should be able to let it go. He glared at her, throwing his words back at him. I can't let go of what I don't know about. Does it bother you? Of course it does. Especially since I didn't know what happened. At least I told you about Liv. Tess decided not to challenge the fact that the first kiss he disclosed because he thought Daniel had already told her, and the second one she witnessed. You didn't want to know. When did I ever say, if Daniel ever kisses you, don't tell me? You asked if Daniel tried to win me, and before I could answer, you said not to tell you. Something about not wanting to indulge your insecurities. Jack's brows drew together. When was that? In February. And I'm not sure you and I were officially together then anyway. Had we kissed by then? Yes, once or twice. Then we were together. She leaned forward. At least he got the message. They stared at each other, waiting to see what the other would do. The waiter broke the tension by bringing water and menus. It's more like instinct with her. It's just how she is. Jack answered Tess's initial question. She goes around kissing men because she can't help herself? While Tess thought the argument was dumb, there was probably some truth to it. Leave struck her as a woman who used her assets to manipulate men. It won't happen again. When you say that, it's like you have control over it. If you have control over it, why did it happen a second time? Tess. Her name came out on an exasperated breath. It won't happen again. She decided that was probably the best she was going to get. At least he understood that while she trusted him, she had her limits. Okay. She took a sip of water. Since you're already in a bad mood, now is probably a good time to mention that we've been invited to Helen and Tom's for dinner tonight. We or you? We. The senator will be there, and he wants to talk to you about something. Jack paused before saying, Yeah, okay. I know it's uncomfortable for you. They don't like me. That's not true. He gave her an are you serious look. Okay, Daniel doesn't think much of you and Helen is barely civil, but Tom likes you. And the senator thinks you walk on water. I said I'll go. Should I meet you there? Why don't you pick me up? We can go together. She knew the news of her moving to the hotel would have reached Helen and Tom, and she didn't want them thinking things were over between her and Jack. He nodded. Like a date. Like coming home to meet the family. She smiled. 
His smile back was forced, and Tess couldn't help but feel a growing distance from him. Chapter 10 Tess rushed from the shower, throwing on her robe. Her hair was a sopping mess and would soon be a curly mess. The knock on the door signaled Jack's arrival to pick her up for dinner at Helen and Tom's. Once again, he was catching her not looking her best. She opened the door. Jack. He frowned when he saw her. Did you forget or change your mind? He sounded grumpy, which was becoming his usual mood. No, I'm just running behind. Come in. I'll be ready in a minute. He passed by her without a kiss, without a look. Is everything all right? Sure. He opened the curtain a few inches to look out over the Jefferson Tavern skyline. Did more bad things happen at the office this afternoon? He shrugged. It's never fun with the Worthingtons. Whatever it was, he didn't want to talk about it. And since she didn't want to provoke an argument, Tess decided to let it go. I'll be ready in a minute. She turned towards the bathroom. Before she could get the door shut, he was standing there. You have some nerve, Tess, telling me that I distract you so you can't live with me and then parading around nearly naked. It's the second time you've done this today. Is this a test of my ability to abide by the new rules, because I'm precariously close to breaking them? Tess nearly laughed, except he looked so serious. I'm sorry, and no, this isn't a test. I may need a little alone time, but I never said you couldn't touch. She'd barely gotten the words out when Jack pushed against the bathroom vanity. One strong arm wrapped around her and hauled her up until she was sitting next to the basin. And then he was kissing her. It was frenetic and glorious. Tess felt dazzled by the way he looked at her, with awe and reverence. It always stole her breath. You like to torture me. His gaze drifted back to hers. No. Not on purpose, anyway. He laughed. Someday you need to learn about your appeal so you can stop accidentally torturing me. She wrapped her hand around his tie. I'll study harder. She pulled him back to her, wanting to feel his lips against hers again. This time his kiss was more controlled, yet still thorough. We're going to be late. Do you care? Not at all. She felt connected to him again. Not just physically, but emotionally as well. Even though they'd worked to keep the situation about Liv from coming between them, each little issue they had dealt with pulled them apart. But now, like this, they were one. The fissures that had opened between them closed as they joined their hearts. She wanted to hold on to that closeness for as long as she could. He must have felt the same need to be close, because afterwards he held her as if he was afraid to let her go. He lifted his head and looked down on her. This new situation we're in, we can date and we can make love. We just can't live together? Not yet. For a moment she wondered if it was going to be enough for him. What would she do if it wasn't? Will you wait for me? He cradled her face in his palms. If I know you love me, I'll wait as long as it takes. I do love you. He gave her a smile, accentuated with a dimple, and kissed her again. If we're going to make it to the show, Walters, I need to shower again. We were thinking maybe you weren't coming, the senator said as he escorted Tess and Jack into the living area of Helen and Tom's home. We're sorry. Jack pressed a hand against the small of Tess's back as he guided her into the room. Making up can take some time. The senator winked conspiratorially. Jack tried to hide his surprise and annoyance at the comment. 
He knew Tess caught the senator's meaning when she stiffened next to him. He rubbed her back as he scanned the room. Helen and Tom were giving their best poker faces. Daniel turned away. Well, you're here now, the senator said. Why don't we get you both a drink? For a dinner with the Showalters, it wasn't that bad. Jack wasn't exaggerating when he'd told Tess they didn't like him. But Helen and Daniel were doing their best to tolerate him. Tom either ignored or completely missed the undercurrent of tension directed at Jack, and the senator focused solely on having his family together for dinner. It was after dinner that things began to fall apart. Tess left to help with the dishes while the men lingered at the table. Jack, I wonder if I could talk to you for a moment alone. Tom, we can use your office, can't we? The senator asked. The last thing Jack wanted to do was speak to the senator alone. It almost always involved some scheme to officially bring Jack into the Worthington family. Jack wanted to honor the mother he never knew and his grandmother who helped raise him, but he absolutely didn't want to be in the Worthington family. He felt it would be a betrayal of the parents who raised him, but it was also because the Worthington family was crazy dysfunctional. Not that Jack's family, which now consisted only of Cora, wasn't a little off-kilter, but the Worthingtons had a way of sucking the life out of Jack. It's not business or family, the senator added as if he knew what Jack was thinking. Sure, Jack nodded. I wanted to ask you about your friend Mrs. Danforth, the senator said when he and Jack were in Tom's office. Jack gritted his teeth. What about her? Her husband Charles owned some land down in Bucks County. I guess he was looking at developing it into what I don't know since most people leave Bucks County, not move to it. Jack declined to remind the senator that Bucks County was in his district and played a part in his election. I was wondering if maybe you'd find out if she was interested in selling the land. The first question that popped into Jack's mind was why the senator would want land in a county he clearly thought was backwoods. But doing so would only bring him further into a conversation he felt uncomfortable having. I can't do that. The senator looked at Jack in surprise. Why not? She probably doesn't want it. I don't feel right about helping you take advantage of a friend of mine who just lost her husband. Take advantage? The senator bristled. I'm not the one engaging in a late-night rendezvous with a widow. Jack was glad he was able to keep his mouth shut, as he wasn't exactly sure what would have come out. Instead, he gave the senator a scathing glare and headed towards the door. Oh, come on, Jack. Tess isn't here. It's just us two. You don't have to be discreet with me. Go to hell. Jack strode across hall toward the kitchen. He could hear the senator following him, but didn't care. He entered the kitchen and immediately made eye contact with Tess. Everyone else turned to watch as well. I have to leave. If you'd like to stay, I'm sure Daniel would be willing to give you a ride. No, I'll go with you. Without having to ask, Tess excused herself from Daniel and his parents and came to Jack. In that moment, Jack didn't think he could love Tess more. Without question, without hesitation, She'd chosen to go with him. Jack, really, now, we were having a wonderful time. We'll just pretend we didn't have our conversation and go on with the evening, the senator said. Thank you for dinner, Helen. It was wonderful, as always. Jack shook Tom and Daniel's hand. I'm sorry I need to go. He laid his hand on Tess's back to escort her out. Tess sat silent in the car as Jack drove away from Tom and Helen's house. She was curious about what had happened between him and the senator, 
but the fierce look on Jack's face told her he wasn't ready to talk yet. They had made it through the center of town when he said, I guess you want to know what happened back there. If you want to tell me. His jaw clenched. Do you care? Tess was surprised by the terseness of his voice. Of course I care. What kind of question is that? You seem indifferent. I'm trying to be supportive. If you want to tell me, I want to hear it. If you don't want to talk about it, then we won't. He wanted me to ask Liv to sell him a piece of nothing land in Bucks County. Tess knew there had to be more to it. Jack could anger easily, but there was usually a good reason. Before she could ask, he continued. That's not why we left. I told him I wasn't comfortable taking advantage of her situation, and he insinuated that I was taking advantage of Liv's new widowhood last night. Oh. Well, that explained everything. Jack's pride was the size of Everest. Not that he was conceited, but he hated anyone questioning his character. And she'd fueled those questions by moving out. Am I the only one who believes that a man and woman can be friends? That I could actually just be trying to help her and not trying to get into her bed? I do. Tess gave him a wan smile. Some of the tension fell from his face. He reached over, took her hand, and brought it to his lips. Thank you. He drove her to the hotel. He remained quiet as they took the elevator and stepped into the hall. As they came around the corner toward Tess's room, someone was sitting by her door. Kate? Kate Wells, Tess's friend from school and a local news station journalist, looked up from her book. Tess, I've been waiting forever. I... Oh, hi, Jack. Kate. Kate looked to Jack and then Tess. I was, uh, thinking maybe you needed a friend. I brought enough chocolate and box wine to sink a ship. Well, we know what paper you read, Jack quipped. You know you can't believe everything you read. Tess squeezed his hand. No, I know. In fact, I didn't believe it. But you wouldn't return my calls, and when I called Daniel, he told me you were here. I just assumed, well... It was a logical assumption, and one Tess knew irritated Jack even more. Since all is well... I guess I'll take my loot and shove off. Actually, Jack turned to Tess. Why don't you and Kate have some girl time? Are you sure? Tess didn't really want girl time, but she was worried that his mood might lead them to fight, and she wanted that even less. Yes, I need to figure some things out myself. All of a sudden, Tess wondered if she was one of the things he needed to figure out. I'll call you tomorrow. She nodded. He bent over and kissed her. His hand rested on her cheek his thumb giving it a gentle caress. With one last look, he turned and left. I don't get it, Kate said as she set her empty wine glass on the table. If you moved here for time and space to get your life together, then why are you spending the day with Daniel embroiled in the case that involves Mrs. Danforth and then spending the evenings with Jack? She was right. People who get their lives together leave, Kate finished. I don't want to leave. I'm just not ready to live with him. I don't mean leave him as in breakup. I mean leave as in a retreat. You know, where you're alone with your thoughts, figure out the meaning of life and all that. Kate finished her statement with a wave of dark chocolate. You should be in a secluded mountain cabin meditating or something. Tess thought she had a point there too, which only solidified her belief that she didn't know what the hell she wanted. I don't buy it anyway. Buy what? Tess asked. The whole I need to find myself line. 
Why not? What's there to find? You're a smart, intelligent lawyer with the damnedest best-looking man who's hopelessly in love with you. Kate pointed her chocolate at Tess. I don't think anyone has ever been more in love than that man is with you. God, the patience he must have to put up with this. Maybe you've had too much wine, Tess suggested. No, you know I haven't. Wine just gives me loose lips. What I speak is the truth. Well, if I'm such a smart lawyer, then what is it he's having to put up with? This. Kate waved her chocolate to indicate the hotel room. Who moves out on a guy like Jack Valentine? Unless he's cheating and you've said he isn't. No. This isn't about soul-searching. This is about you being a great big chicken. Kate finished her speech by making chicken sounds. No, I'm not. Tess heard the childishness in her voice, which indicated she was probably one glass of wine over her limit. Sure you are. You always have been, ever since that whole debacle in Washington. I'm over that. Jack cured me. She was sure of it. Yes, she'd closed her heart to love after being betrayed, humiliated, and run out of town by her ex-fiancé and his family, but surely being in a relationship with Jack, admitting her love for him, that was progress. She wasn't afraid anymore. Was she? You're better. Not quite like when we were in college, but better than when you first returned to Jefferson Tavern. I'm not afraid. I know he's a good man. I know he loves me. Tess, it's like swimming. Some people jump right in, get all wet. And I take my time? Well, yes. And also, you're in the pool now, except you're wrapped in plastic wrap, so you don't get wet. You're in the mix of everything, but you're not really immersed in it. Tess shook her head, even as she wondered if Kate was right. Did she still have barriers? Look, I get that you don't want to be a kept woman. You want to be able to support yourself, but you can do that at Jack's house or grab that huge trust fund your granddaddy gave you. We both know that you'll never be left destitute or unable to care for yourself, so this isn't about finding a career just in case Jack hurts you. Tess couldn't respond. Was she trying to protect herself? She'd left Jack's home to find herself, but felt more lost than ever. She was spending most of her time thinking about Jack and whether or not she'd made the right choice in leaving. You need to get wet with Jack, and I need more wine. Kate reached for the box. Thank you so much for listening to this episode from Tales from the Heart. I hope that you enjoyed it, and we'll be back to find out what happens next. What is Jack going off to think about, and what is going to happen in the investigation? Now remember, you can listen to full uncensored episodes over at reamstories.com forward slash Jenna Hart, because I did have to cut a little bit out of this one. And if you'd like to read along or get ahead in the story, you can get Old Flames Never Die from your favorite ebook retailer or save by buying direct from me. All the details and links that you might need are just a click away in the description. Now, don't miss the next episode. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll know when it's posted. Thank you again for listening. Until next time, this is Jenna Hart wishing you peace, love, and happily ever after.